is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Off the Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon. We got the Matt and Brandon special, Matt Law, back <laughs> on the pod. How's it going? Summer fun, right? Yeah, it's. Um, I like that the Matt and Brand special because it's usually two of us these days. So yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, good, good. Um, it's calmed down because it kicked off very fast this summer. Did it? it? Didn't really feel like anything had stopped. It's calmed down a little bit this past week since Pochettino's been in and working. It's been a little bit quieter. Still, things going on. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's calmed down a little bit. Um, there's still probably in England more coverage of the summer sports of cricket and tennis at the moment than the, the football right now. But yeah, still, um, I'm still working and, and got enough to keep me going at the moment. I'm not not out in the garden every day just yet. Not at all. Uh, what's your go-to in the garden? I mean, you, you're doing flowers, you, you grow them tomatoes. What's your thing? Uh, I'm afraid I'm I'm a clearance and a lawn cutting man, and my wife does all the <laughs> all the uh, all the difficult stuff. I love it. It's good to have that locked in. Um, Chelsea announced their kit, and there's no yeah. sponsor. Uh, Phil at Chelsea pointed it out. It was kind of interesting. Normally, these have a lot of video, right? Some movement, some action. Not this one. I wonder if that's because maybe there was a sponsor on it and they had to do some Photoshopping or if it was a last uh, second change, but the kit is there and we can't buy it. So off to off to the races of waiting. Yeah, look, I mean, I've got I've got two sort of views on this, I suppose. Um, first of all, I quite like the kit. I, I do quite like it. I, I think I, I messaged you. I'm not sure about the shiny badges. I can see why they've done it. I can see they the kits are not um, marketed at, uh, at mid 40 year old men and um my kids would certainly like the shiny badges. Let's put it that way. So I can see why they've done it. Um, but I really like it. I like the sleeves. I like the, the detail sort of under the sleeves. That that, that gives it that retro 90s feel. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a nice kit. And I can also see, see why fans are excited to buy it with no sponsor. Um, because they do look good, good with no sponsor. I mean, a lot of kids' shirts, because of the nature of sponsorships, a lot of kids' shirts you see with no sponsors on, um, when they feel that the sponsorships aren't, aren't aligned to, to kids wearing them. And the kids' shirts always look better than the adult shirts when they have no sponsors on. So that, that's that's pretty cool in a way. But then, you know, real world, if we turn forward to the real world and, and where clubs should be in a club of Chelsea size, I tweeted it. It's pretty embarrassing, really, to be in a position where you are releasing a shirt without a sponsor and this kind of, they've had to put out, they've been forced into putting out a slightly wishy-washy statement with the, the shirt in that, A, you can't buy it till August the 16th, I think it was. I liked the fact that that was marketed as an early bird opportunity, even though that's after the season starts. And, and secondly, they've had to say in this kind of wishy-washy way that it may or may not, by the time the season starts, have a kind of sponsor on it. And there's been speculation as to whether fans who buy a shirt without a sponsor who might want the sponsor because some fans do want it to look exactly like the, the shirt that the players wear, whether they could send someone out to iron on. I mean, that's really messy. There's not even a shirt sleeve sponsor, let alone a main sponsor. So, you know, Chelsea are one of the biggest clubs in the world. They're one of the biggest football brands in the world. They shouldn't, they, let's face it, they shouldn't be in this position. And there are, there are some mitigating circumstances and they've had a challenging time with it, but they still shouldn't be in this position and it's not 
it's not ideal by any any stage of the imagination. So maybe a counterpoint, and I would love to get your opinion on this. They've had the year. They're not getting the deals they wanted. Once they realized Champions League was long gone, they're probably trying to factor in, what if we take another year to try to sell a blue chip sponsor, essentially versus taking a cut right now over three years? Maybe they think in a four-year four window, if they wait this year plus three years, of the next one, they'll actually make more. And that's why they're they're dragging the feet. I mean, Nottingham Forest didn't have a sponsor last season, correct? Because they couldn't get the deal. I know Chelsea, Nottingham Forest. Well, I think they were involved with a charity as well. I think there was some sort of charity link with, with Nottingham Forest. I'm not sure it was quite as straightforward as that. But yeah, I, I, they didn't have a sponsor on the front of their shirt, for sure. Well, it could be it could be a one-off thing. I'm excited to get it because, to your point, you don't get this opportunity. So it'll just be a bit of a collector's item for that reason only. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that, and that's why I kind of split my point in two ways. I get yeah. why fans would be would be pleased in a way to sort of get this shirt. I don't. I, I mean, people have said it will it will sell like hotcakes to start with, and it may well, but that won't. They won't be able to sell enough to make up the shortfall of what a sponsorship would earn them. I mean, look, the interesting thing that they, they were looking in with stake was the fact it was only going to be a one-year deal, so it was potentially a bridging sponsorship. They pulled that, and I think most of us would be pleased that they pulled that, given given the associations with the betting companies. But I don't know. I, I get what you say. You, you're better off taking a long-term view than signing into a long-term sponsorship where the rate isn't great. I suppose it's whether they can get a short-term sponsorship and the thing is now is the rate, whoever they get now, whether it's long-term or short-term, if they get one in time for the start of the season, which they're still aiming to do, they're in talks with companies, I know that for sure. Yeah. Um, right, the rate's not going to be great. You know, I've spoken to some people who are, are in the business of this and they said they'd be astonished if they could get more than sort of 25 million a year at this stage. But if they get 25 million for one year and then use the rest of the time to work towards, like you say, that blue chip one, it, it won't be the end of the world. But it kind of, look, we heard, I, I like to be, I, I do like to try and be positive and, and supportive of, of the ownership where possible, because obviously they do get a lot of criticism. Um, but I find it tricky on this one because they have had a year. And the problem is, is a lot of their public statements were a, a lot about how they could push the commercial side of the club on quickly as well. They felt there was a real opportunity to quickly, quickly push the commercial side hard. And I think while I'm prepared to give them time and sort of wiggle room over football mistakes, then, you know, they're new to football and that, that's to be expected. And I think they'll learn from that. I thought they would be, I thought they would be more on the ball on this side of things. And I think that's, that is a bit disappointing. But hey, uh, yeah. it's not to say it's not to say that they don't you know, like you say come up with a deal after this that just blows everyone's socks off. So you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to use it as a stick to beat with them for a long time. I just like I say, I think it's, at this stage it's a little bit embarrassing. So about sponsorship and deals is the new CEO Chris Jersek in. Last time I had heard, it was a, a TBD type thing. Do you know is he in seat? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure he is in seat. Yeah, he is. Okay. He is definitely in seat. Um, I think he's even now listed on the club website, to be honest with you. But yeah, he's in position. Look, I don't know. It's only I can only speculate whether 
that sort of change in that position was related to the sponsorship. But obviously, it's easy to sort of put two and two together on that one, given the timing of him coming in um, and the potential departure of Tom Glick, whether that's all linked and whether there was any disappointment that work deals weren't there. I don't actually know. Like I just say, the timing and everything would lead you to put two and two together, but we won't know if that's right because I don't think the club will confirm that, to be honest with you. Sure. But they, they, what I can say is I know for sure they're still in talks with companies. They've not just left this and and sort of given up on it. They're, the hope is they, they get something before the start of the season, whether it be a, a bridging sponsorship or a long-term sponsorship. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, he's got a clean slate to sell against, which is good for them. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about Potch's first week. Uh, barbecue is done. Presser is done. It's official. Uh, we're also talking about this a little bit, Dan, on the on the Monday recap. We've gone away from managers, the titles, head coach now. John Terry still calls him the gaffer. Is this a structural change or is this just kind of like a hey, we're just going to call him head coach now to lines better? Or do you think the duties have really changed where when Jose was the manager, he was really in charge of a lot of different things where now they just have this role purely focused on the the playing staff? Yeah, it's a change within football more than just a change at Chelsea. You'll see a lot of clubs now, the head coach, because there's far more structure around them. There's far more uh, positions um, and and points and lines of sort of communication around them. And we hear a lot, obviously, with this latest ownership about collaboration and, and lots of clubs now work like that. Um, the interesting thing, actually, talking about a title, is I remember at Tottenham, Maurizio Pochettino was originally head coach. They changed his title to manager. And then I remember being in a press conference where he said he wanted his title changed back to head coach when he was annoyed about some transfers. And I, he was trying to make the point that he hadn't been anything to do with the uh, the transfer business that he was unhappy about. And therefore, he felt he should be called head coach again. So Potch has got quite an interest. He's the first ever manager I've ever heard talk about whether he wants to be manager or head coach. Um and I think Arsenal made Arteta head coach and then made him manager, didn't they? I think they went that way with Arteta, which again was a hint at having a greater say and responsibility on, on wider issues. Um, in terms of Chelsea, I think it, it works because you've got, you've got an awful lot of management at Chelsea. You obviously have co-sporting directors. You have a recruitment director in Joe Shields. You have a technical director in Christopher Duval. There's an awful lot of management. Um and so having someone with a defined head coach is is probably the way to do it. Um, we asked actually Pochettino in his first press conference when we had a separate little sit down with him, we said, you know, how's it working with transfers? You know, how much of a say are you having? And he basically said so far it's worked out that when he had his original chat, he was presented with the plan that the club would get on with until his official appointment, until July the 1st, which he agreed with. And then since his official appointment, they've continued to work by that plan. But he obviously has been having a say as they go along. So I don't think there's one one element of the club making the decisions. I think that there's a plan they, they're sort of working to together and taking decisions together. And therefore, you know, to call him manager probably wouldn't be quite accurate because it's it's a let's say it's a, it's a bit of a group thing on, on that side of things all right um i mean and that's probably good if we're being honest in in the way it, it flows uh you talk about 
the, the first week, early reactions from within. Um, is he settling quickly? Do we feel like it's positive? I kind of laughed and you said, there's not a lot of stuff coming out. I'm like, yeah, the players are too tired to brief anybody. <laughs> a lot of running. How's it been? Yeah, it's interesting on the running point because I was told that the the staff themselves feel like they're going to go quite easy on the running. So if the players think it's hard now, good luck. Good luck when the uh, the staff feel that they're fit enough to really take take hold of the regime because I think they've, they've been, from what I gather, they've been quite careful with them so far because of the injury histories. Um, there's a lot of tailored tailored training. They don't work... They don't do group training particularly. They don't have one group. Now, everyone will have to take a gay contest. Everyone takes gay contests at every football club basically these days or a version of the gay contest. Uh, they will all have things they all have to do. But in terms of their training programmes, they'll be tailored to individuals. Poch said it himself last week. He said that Mudrich's training, for instance, when he comes back from the under-21s, will be completely tailored to him, be completely different to someone like Kenzo Fernandez when he comes back. Um, and that will be throughout the squad. It's very, very, very tailored. But I do think people think it's difficult now. Oof. Wait till wait till they think they're a bit fitter and that there's not a chance of breaking down with injury because it will get even tougher then. So um, I've, I'm told, look, it's very positive. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I know we're going to come on to this in more detail, but I think it's really interesting. He's already split the group a little bit. We've heard that Callum Hudson-Odoi um, is possibly training away from the main group. The club haven't confirmed that, but they've, they've not denied it either. Um, I think there might be a few others in that category. We obviously now know that Aubameyang, uh, Lukaku and possibly Ziyech have been had their uh, returns delayed because he, he clearly doesn't really want negative energy around. So he's kept, he's kept it very positive. He's kept people with him who are engaged, people maybe who are thinking about playing elsewhere, He's not had around the group at all, which is different from last year because obviously Blaster had this huge squad and he never split them once, and, and nor did Lampard. They never got split up. And I know there were people within the club who thought they probably should have been split up, um, but those managers didn't want to do that at that stage. But Pochettino has done that immediately, so I find that interesting. But that has kept the main group very positive, I think. Um, I think... Uh, there was, they were very pleased with the way he handled himself in front of the press, from what I gather. They felt there was a good confidence about him, a good message about him. He's come in very clear. Um, you know, the barbecue, it's a little thing, but the barbecue just gets... There's a lot of stuff there, you know. He's had to keep on, um, and I've spoken about this on the show before, he's had to keep on members of Potter's staff, and there's other stuff. There's a lot of staff there who aren't his tightness staff, who, who don't know each other, Um and just a little thing like the barbecue, it just helps, you know, it just helps light and lighten things and get people used to things. And it, it's been good, but I've got to say at most clubs, the first week, it's like the first week going back to school. Everybody's in a new uniform. Everybody feels nice. The sun's sh usually shining. Everybody's fairly optimistic. Um, and, you know, the test will come probably once they're in America because he'll have, a, he'll have a, a squad with him then. It's a long tour. They'll be on top of each other. He'll expect standards to be high in America. So I think we'll probably start to get a more realistic view of how things are in, in America. But, but you know, so far, so good. Yeah. 
that's what we like to hear. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. When we get back, I am going to ask about one of those staying on from Potter staff. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Bird dogs make you look good. That's right. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restrictive cotton. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So look, I've got a pair. Dan's got a pair. Nick's got a pair. We actually love them. But not only do you get bird dogs right now, if you buy, you get a free Tumblr. That's right. You get a free Yeti Tumblr. All you have to do is go to birddogs.com forward slash pool, P-O-O-L. Enter the promo code P-O-O-L for a free Yeti style Tumblr with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style Tumblr. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So the name's Bruno, Matt. Sounds like he's impressed. Uh, it, it seemed like when Potter left, the club were already rating uh, Bruno highly. He stayed on kind of while Lampard was there, and now he's resurfaced again. It seems like all he has done is impressed whoever is in charge at the time, which is kudos to him. Yeah. Um, interestingly, apparently he already knew Jesus Perez a little bit. I don't know how, but apparently they'd met and they knew each other, not closely. So there was some familiarity there. He's a highly rated coach. I know that for sure. And he obviously has the attitude that he's he's happy to stay around. You know, for instance, I think Bjorn has left and, and he clearly didn't really want to stick around. Um, I don't really know. It's hard to know quite what the circumstances are behind him staying. And I say that because when Lampard came in, he disappeared. Um, he wasn't at the club. He wasn't training. I can. He, he went on, on leave. Um, and whether he needed that time to just recharge and process what had happened and also decide what he wanted to do, I don't know. But he's obviously come back with the right energy. There's no way he'd be staying around, I don't think, if Pochettino said, look, this guy clearly doesn't want to be here. I've got nothing for him to do. Um, it might be slightly out of necessity as well because obviously Graham Potter doesn't have a job. And I still think probably if and when we see Graham Potter get a job, his old staff will pretty probably much move with him because they've moved around with him and there's loyalty there. Um, but yeah, he's obviously showing the right things and, and you know, fair play to the guy. He, he got put in charge of the Liverpool game almost by default. He made it pretty clear he was a little bit uncomfortable with that. He's gone away. Lampard's come in with his own staff. He's gone away. And then he's he's been big enough to kind of say, look, I'll, I'll get on with it. And so fair play to him. It's a, it's a good attitude by him. Well, love to see it. He's not the only one who's impressed, though. Ian Matson is he let the world know, absolutely not allowed to leave. Uh, Poch, at a minimum, wants to see more of him. Sounds like maybe even a little bit more direct, saying that he's going to get a chance this season. Left back, left wing back has always been a crowded position for Chelsea over the last, what, like four or five seasons at this point. Uh, and it looks like we've got uh, too much depth again with Chilwell, Cucurella, and Ian Matson. But the club, I, I shoot, we'll definitely see him in America, right? Yeah, you'll see him in America. And it's definitely worth keeping him around while they're not sure or while they think he might might be worth looking at more. Because even if it got to the last week of August... And they decided, actually, 
you know, maybe we'll let him either go out on loan or sell him. I don't think they'd have a problem with, they're not going to find themselves not being able to find anyone interested in it. And obviously there's Burnley, but he had a very good season last season. So I don't think there's any risk attached there. I think it's sensible. It's good. Um, but there are four, there are four, there are four left backs who would want to play. Well, there were, there's, there's two left backs at least who would want to play very regularly. And there's four left backs who would want to play on a, at least semi-regular basis. So there's an imbalance there, and you'd imagine at least one left back at some stage will have to move either permanently or or on loan. Um, and it's funny how these things work out. They they do tend to have an abundance of left backs, Chelsea, not always ones they want to actually play. Uh, we've just seen Baba Rahman leave permanently, finally, uh, who was a great example of one. But yeah, he's obviously done well in training. I can see that Poch will like him. Poch. The fullback positions are interesting with Pochettino because all through his clubs he's placed such huge emphasis on on the fullbacks and what they deliver for him. I mean, I I remember at Tottenham, Danny Rose often used to play like a midfielder. We've we've heard a lot about how Pep's done that uh, with sort of he tried to do it with Cancelo and then moving John Stones from central defence to play a lot in midfield. Poch did it with with Danny Rose quite early on. You know, he was a a fullback who was allowed to roam all over midfield. And so the, the watching how he evolves those fullbacks will be very interesting. Um, and he's, he's he's got what I would say is he, he seems to always have a particular sort of liking for fullbacks. So yeah, I think you'll definitely see him in America, Matson. Looking forward to him. Um there's a young core to this team. I would say like the Chelsea team last season were young. Tiago Silva holding it down right for us in our 30s uh really keeping that going alive but uh the team continues to get uh, a little bit younger Pulisic to Milan he's essentially official right we've seen him on the ground there said it's a big club understood uh I think we made about 10 million off that deal so win-win all the way around uh he'll join Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Fick there um and and Giroud so kind of a, a bit of a Chelsea contingency in Milan all the way around. Yeah, it's like the Chelsea B team now in Milan, isn't it? Um, I might have to go over there actually next season and, and watch them. It'll be quite interesting to see how they all all fit in together. I think all of, certainly Ruben and, and Christian are actually quite well suited to Italian football. It looks good moves for them. As you say, good, good business for Chelsea in terms of both of them. Um, yeah, win, win, win. Um, there's obviously a relationship there, isn't there? They've, they've, they've done well at using these relationships. I mean, the, the whole Saudi thing created a, a bit of a storm in a teacup. Um, but there's clearly relationships there from other business, which is, you know, perfectly legal and perfectly allowed. And and they've been used well. There's clearly a good relationship with Milan um, that stretches back. I know that the two sets of ownerships got on very well around the Champions League ties. I think there was even quite a, a late night out in London after the AC Milan game in, in London last season involving all the ownership. So they're using, you know, they're, they're helping to use relationships to help sell some of these players. And they've done, a, on the whole, they've done a good job of it because I didn't expect them to. Have, I think when Pulisic goes, um, I think, and I, I would want to double check this, but I think it will then be 10 first-team players they've managed to sell before the summer tour. And we've still got nearly a week and the possibility of Aubameyang and Lukaku going before then. 
I mean, I, I didn't think they'd be able to do it this fast. So fair play. Yeah, I, and, and it seemed to go smoothly, right? Everyone was happy. Everyone was in the same on the same page with this one, which which is great. I look as Americans, win win. We're happy. Christian is going to get a fresh start. Get ready for the upcoming World Cup and cycles like that. And uh, great. There's there's more to do though, as you kind of mentioned in in the articles. Lukaku, Ziyech, Abameyang. You know what, guys? Don't come back Wednesday. How about you take a few more days while we try to figure out these things? Um, Lukaku, you know, Inter Milan, he only wants Inter. Inter don't have the money or won't spend the money. Uh, Ziyech and Aubameyang, I think, are a little bit more tricky in, in that sense. But between those three, any updates are kind of like better detail you can provide? Well, Lukaku isn't coming back. doesn't matter when Chelsea say he has to come back. Lukaku's not coming back. So it's whether we get to the point where Chelsea have to deal with that or not. I think they're desperately hoping they can get to a situation with Inter Milan where they don't have to deal with that. Hence, he's been given more time. Otherwise, today would be all about, is he going to be fined? What's going to happen? Because he hasn't come back, because he wasn't going to come back. And if we get to Sunday night, I can tell you very certainly, he won't be on a flight to London to come back for Monday morning particularly as it's the day Chelsea go on the US tour and there's no chance of him going on that. So he'd be coming back just to work at Cobham on his own. No chance. So hopefully it buys everyone time to get a deal done before we get into that awkward situation. I think I think Chelsea are, and I, I don't mean this as a criticism, um, but I think Chelsea are being backed slightly into a corner over having to find a deal with Inter Milan on this one. Otherwise they are going to end up with this stretching well into the summer and potentially becoming a distraction and an annoyance and uh, something that's not very positive. So I think Chelsea being backed into a corner a little bit um, because if if they're going to sell him anytime soon, it's only going to be to Inter Milan. Inter Milan are going to come back with an offer this week. I, I think it's going to be around the £30 million mark possibly with a few bonuses on top. Um, and then Chelsea have got a tough decision to make. Chelsea want £40 million. They're not going to get £40 million from Inter Milan at any stage. So I think that's probably going to have to drop. I suspect my own view is that they'll probably end up doing something around the £35 million mark and everyone will take a view to, to walk away from this and, and make sure they don't have this. They don't want to loan him because they know if they loan him, they'll only be here again next summer. And there's no point just kicking the can down the road. So I think, look, I think this will get sorted, but I think they've been backed into a corner. And as I say, Lukaku isn't coming back. They can set any date they want, but he's not coming back. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, whatever. I'm kind of over it. Like, even if we take a loss, inevitably, uh, fine. I think I am annoyed that Inter continue to just just run circles around us with this deal, right? How we sold for a hundred million loan now cut right cut rate price. Um, I think the owners really need to re-examine kind of how we got into this situation. I think they've started well, to. Think, yeah, I mean, look, I think I was impressed with them loaning him back to last summer so quickly and getting the problem out of the way. On reflection, that loan and agreeing them to go to Inter has probably contributed to them now slightly being backed into a corner because once he went back to Inter, 
he was only ever going to want to stay there and not come back. You know, that was it. So I'm not criticising them for that because, as I say, I think they did well to loan him so quickly to Inter. And I think they've they've just inherited a really shitty situation, to be honest with you. You know, it's it's been a horrible situation for them to inherit that obviously came off the back of that interview he did and, and everything else and his fallout with Tuchel and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it, it wasn't their problem. It was a problem they inherited and they've been left to have to deal with it. Um, and look, they might have to take a bit of a loss on them, but it's not really their loss. I know it will go on their accounts, but they didn't spend, they didn't agree to spend that money on him. He's a huge, huge burden on the wage bill as well, if he's not somewhere else. So, if they can just get something and, and and move on, it will be best for everybody. I've got a lot of sympathy for Chelsea on this. This won't be a popular view. I have a little bit of sympathy for Lukaku on this as well. I just think both parties need to just get it sorted and go their separate ways. And I wouldn't even shake hands because I doubt they'll shake hands, to be quite honest with you. Well, no. I mean, his interview to Sky Italia ruined it uh, from the Chelsea fan side. And he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's been through this with his big money moves uh, around the league over the years. So no surprise there. But what about Ziyech and Aubameyang? I'm assuming Aubameyang won't be at Chelsea no matter what. But I'm starting to get this weird feeling that Ziyech might be back. Look, both of them, both of them have still have live interest from Saudi. Ziyech has obviously went a little bit funny with Al Nassar. I think I think there's other interest from Saudi apart from Al Nassar, and I don't think that Al Nassar is completely off the table. It might have stalled and it might not be happening right now, but I still think there's the possibility of the goalpost being moved back in in favour. They've obviously been moved to one way that, that sent it negatively. Um, I know that Aubameyang, I think Aubameyang is open to, to going to Saudi. I don't think he's agreed anything yet, um, but he's previously rejected it very quickly and he hasn't this time. It probably would be Gerard's club, if any club. It looks like Al-Hilal, who had been linked with him, They've made a bid for Mitrovic, I think, uh, Alexander Mitrovic. So if he goes there, that probably rules Al-Halal off the table uh, for Bamiyang. But um, I think I think they'll get something done with Bamiyang. They're not in a Lukaku situation with Bamiyang. I think if, if Bamiyang has to come back, he will come back. He is not in a... I know he has this reputation, but he is not in a dispute or a fight with the club like other people might be. He is not going to refuse to ever come back. He is not going to fight to get out. It's obviously up to Chelsea if they want to sell him to find a buyer for him, but he's not going to sort of make himself unavailable or make things difficult. If he comes back, I get the impression he'll come back and train. And even if he's made to train with a a separate group, he will do that. I don't get any sense that there's a fight from his point of view. So I think he is different to Lukaku, and I think obviously he has this reputation, but I don't think that it's fair to judge him on that in this in this instance because I I genuinely don't think he's he's upsetting anyone or, or doing anything sort of that anyone would see as being maybe wrong or anything. Um, they're just waiting to do a try and do a deal on that. Ziyech, he came back and played a lot after Lampard. So if nothing happens with Ziyech, you'd expect he'll be back again. I, th- I actually thought, given what had happened to him with PSG, that he he showed a fairly good attitude when he came back 
last year. Uh, he didn't seem to solve particularly. You can criticise his performances, but I don't think his attitude was was bad. And but again, look, the delay is obviously designed to try and get a buyer. If they don't get a buyer by Monday, he will come back. He will train on his own at Cobham. I can't see a scenario where he goes to America. And again, that then gives them another two and a half weeks while Chelsea are in America to try and sell him from Cobham. So I, I, I still think both players will will leave. Is Cucurella leaving Chelsea a f- Twitter fan's pipe dream? Pipe dream? I think that's harsh. I hope... Did we manufacture this off of Twitter based on what a lot of people want versus the reality of potentially letting him go after one year and a big money move? <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, I said before, it's very clear they're going to have to sell or loan at least one left back, if not two left backs, because they've got an imbalance there. I don't think it's out the realms of possibility that it, it becomes Cucurella, but I know that he he would like to stay and try and prove himself at Chelsea. Um, I think he's still well-liked. There's a lot that went on with Cucurella that people don't know about that would change the view around Cucurella. And I just can't say it. I can't write it. It's private to him. Um, But there was stuff going on in his private life that anyone would find difficult to... And I don't mean like anything salacious at all, but there was stuff going on in his private life that made it difficult for him to settle in very quickly. And anybody would find it difficult to show their best side at work with some of the stuff he was going through. So I hope people cut him a bit of slack if he does stay. Um, And yeah, but left backs are going to have to leave, whether it be him or someone else. The only thing I'd say on Cucurella is they're going to get nowhere near their money back on Cucurella. Um, They'd have to take a huge hit on him to, to get rid of him this summer. And, Giving up, giving up on him after one year, given the year that he's he's had that people know about in the club, I think would be possibly a mistake and a little bit unfair on him. Yeah, well, and and I think you know we did see some good games. He played left centre back, left wing back, and it, it was the Dortmund very game up and down. The Dortmund game, he was yes. phenomenal. That's what I was going to go to. Right, he I think he got man of the match in that game or whatever they call it, champion of the match <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um. I think it was just the the peaks and the valleys, which which was tough, uh, especially in in pivotal moments. But the whole team was struggling at times. Uh, so I guess we'll we'll pay attention to the spot. We didn't even put Lewis Hall in the in the stack rank of left backs as well, who ended the season on a on a really good run. Uh, Callum Hudson Odoi. It sounds like he's training off to the side. He told Chelsea he wants to leave. Yeah. I think this will kind of be a quiet exit at this point. Yeah. Yeah, there's some Premier League interest in him. Um, I think there's some foreign interest in him as well. Um, The wages will be a bit of an issue, you know, in terms of finding a club who can either get close to or or match his wage expectations or whether Chelsea even have to factor that into the fee they take for him. But, yeah, it's a shame, Callum. I mean, he's clearly very talented. But, again, with, with like a few players this summer... You just get the feeling it's just not going to happen at Chelsea now. For whatever reason, too much water's gone under the bridge. It doesn't really kind of suit suit the squad anymore. It'd be better for him and better for Chelsea to, to get a deal there. That might be one that has to run slightly, though, into the summer because of those wage expectations. And 
he's probably sort of on a lot of clubs, three or four man lists, but probably not number one of an awful lot of those clubs. So he's going to have to wait to see how a few things shake down a little bit, but I would expect him to get a move. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, all right. We're going to take our last break. When we get back, uh, I want to talk about Levi Colwell. So thank you to sponsors and we'll be right back. All right, real quick, Matt, um, Levi Colwell boss, the U 21s Euro champions. Congratulations to you guys. I can say that because the United States weren't involved. So therefore we weren't, uh, enemies, U 21 champions, Levi Colwell, uh, left back the whole way through, uh, an impressive tournament for everybody. Uh, Phil Chessie, you said that the penalty calling him was harsh, said he was absolutely stood out. He's not going anywhere, right? We're not, we're not going to play stupid games with Levi Colwell. It's what Chelsea you can only trust what you're told. And everybody on the record and off the record at Chelsea says he's not going anywhere. Then they won't accept any offers of loan. They won't accept any offers for him. That You can only go by what people tell you. And the messages remain consistent and also very firm. There's not been a sort of wishy-washy element to it of, well, if this happened or that happened, it's just been no, 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 no. He will not be going loan or permanently. It's probably also helped simplify the situation a little bit that Badia Shile is injured. Um, I don't think that obviously that's a good thing necessarily, but the fact that Badia Shile has been injured will will make it a clearer path at the start of the season for, for Levi. Pochettino was interesting. I think Pochettino obviously knows there's a little bit of an issue there because he said he needs to talk to him and find out what he wants to do. I think... Pochettino has clearly been made aware that Levi Colwell expects to play uh, regularly next season. And obviously Chelsea aren't in Europe, so playing regularly means playing regularly in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, the, I can not a lot else I can say when the club, like I say, on and off the record, just say very firmly time and time again, he's not going on loan, he's not going on permanent deal. He's not going to be used in any bargaining deals. He's just not going anywhere. They want to give him a new contract. I think he'll probably see how the start of the season goes before he rushes to commit himself on that, which is sensible. But they have this one-year option on him as well, so they're, they're protected on him. So, yeah, I, I don't see him going anywhere. And I, I see him I see him starting the season, to be honest with you. I don't see why he wouldn't start the season. I would imagine that the first-choice centre-back pairing will be Fafana and, and Levi Colwell with Thiago providing experience and, and coming in at vital times. It looks like Chelsea have circled in on some number 10s, uh, Paulo Dybala and Roman Cherky being connected to the club. Do you feel like this is a spot they're aggressively attacking post-mount, post-in-general, just need some midfielders? They definitely need some midfielders, although I'm not actually sure number 10s exactly what they need because I I kind of have got it in my head that there's a good chance that uh, that Nkunku will end up playing kind of a number 10-ish role for them um, so yeah they're clearly looking look the Cherky there's a lot of clubs who like this Cherky uh, Chelsea know Leon well they've scouted a lot of Leon I think so th there's clearly an interest in Cherky whether it's an immediate interest or a long-term interest not not totally sure on that Dybala, I'd be surprised about. Dybala feels a lot like a Jao Felix situation of someone who is clearly very skillful and talented, but 
doesn't look hugely suited to the Premier League. Got question marks over his physicality and durability. That would worry me a bit, and I'd be surprised at that. Um, but yeah, they they're obviously looking around at that position. I I would argue that that's not necessarily the position they they definitely need at the moment. I like to see them get sort of a number eight. I mean, obviously, Caicedo's the one, but they've, my fear is that they've got more need in number eight. I've banged on them about goalkeepers and Kepa for long enough, but I think it's fairly clear that I'd like to see them buy a goalkeeper. Um, and I still think they need a striker. So I don't think number 10 is necessarily top of the agenda at the moment. I, I think that... Well, I think they've done really well getting players out. I still think there's quite a lot of work to do on the squad before the season starts because I think it's imbalanced at the moment. I'd, I'd be slightly worried. If you told me the season was starting tomorrow, I'd be slightly worried. But clearly, the season's not starting tomorrow and they're planning for the season starting in August when it does actually start. Right. I mean, let's go ahead and book Caicedo. It seems like Chelsea have no contingency plans. This is the guy. They're going to stay focused on him and just continue to work with Brighton Little little tug-of-war battle until they can kind of finesse it to where they want. Chelsea are probably going to offer a bunch of money up front and then probably some aggressive bonuses to get somewhere close to their valuation. But, I mean, $100 million, I think, is is probably too rich for anyone's blood. Caicedo's come out, made a public statement that he likes Chelsea, big club, you know, a little bit of flattering. He essentially said goodbye last January, yet he stayed. So it's not straightforward with Moises Caicedo and Brighton at all. No, and they they are, like I say, again, they are determined that they feel that he's worth 100 million plus and that Declan Rice has set a bit of a benchmark there on, on his valuation. Um, and if you look at Brighton, while they do sell players, they tend to sell for sort of top end of the market recently. You know, they, they don't sell cheap. You know, people were very surprised when Arsenal agreed to buy Ben White for 50 million. People were very surprised when Chelsea agreed to pay 60 million for Cucurella. McAllister's different because he had a clause. But when these players don't have a clause, Brighton tend to, you know, tend to hold on for top money. So there's nothing to say that this will be easy for Chelsea. I think you're right. I think they're, they're fully focused on him at the moment rather than sort of dipping their toe in the water with lots. Although I would suspect that there is some sort of list. The other thing, interesting thing on Casado, the, the sort of the the tactics so far has not been to go in and go bid, rejected, bid, rejected, bid, rejected. It feels like there's just more of an ongoing conversation to try and get to a place where they can then do a deal rather than just firing bids, firing bids, firing bids. Um, which again is, is is interesting. I don't know whether that's linked to the fact that they've they seemingly have already agreed everything with Caicedo himself. There's a lot of talk in football that other clubs have basically not bothered with it because they feel the player has pretty much committed himself to Chelsea. So other clubs have have almost ignored it and, and decided that if he moves, he'll be moving to Chelsea. Because Ch- Chelsea up until now have had a free run at, at Caicedo. Um and they will hope that continues because if suddenly someone else comes into the fray, it will get a lot more complicated. But it doesn't look always hostage to fortune in the transfer window and something could happen very quickly. But as we sit here now on, on Wednesday at 
253 in the UK, it didn't feel like anything's going to happen quickly. There's not been any indication that things are going to happen quickly. And yet we know that talks and negotiations just continue and continue on it. All right. We'll have to see kind of how it all uh, shakes out. You I mean, we talked about a goalkeeper. It doesn't seem like much movement. It seems like we missed the Onana boat, um, Diogo Costa, which I don't know much about. Nothing, nothing big really kind of happening. We still... I mean, need to sign one, or do you think they're just going to promote from the dev squad on an as-needed basis? Usually have three first-team goalkeepers. Yeah, they, they need to recruit one, at least, even if they're recruiting someone who's a number two-stroke challenger for number one. I still think that this could return the, the goalkeeper thing. I think it's been paused. Um, whether they want to look at Kepa, take a view on Kepa, or whether they've actually decided, yet yeah, Kepa will be number one. I could still this coming back. I know, I know, I, I said this last time was on. I know in the last two weeks there's still been conversations about Mike Mannion, which leads me to believe that the whole goalkeeper thing hasn't been completely left alone. I just think maybe the priorities around the sales and around the gaps that the sales have created in the squad, obviously the, all of a sudden the midfielder squad-wise, it looked overstacked and now it looks a little bit light. The, the priorities seem to have gone elsewhere, but... Let's see. I could see the goalkeeper thing coming back on the agenda at some point. All right. All right. Last, I want to I want to play a nice little game of Matt's predictions on things that he has no idea if they're going to happen or not. Carnes, Santos, Cassidy, who stays, who plays? Oh, wow. What a question. Cassidy, I think, will go on loan. Uh, Carney, I think, will go on loan. Santos is the interesting one because there's obviously clubs who'd love to take him, but the club as a club have been so excited about him. I'd like, from what I hear about Santos, all the noises I get make me feel that he's got a great chance of being around the first team squad. But a lot will depend, you know, all of for all these lads, a lot will depend on America. But if I was going to bet at the moment, I'd say Cassidy loan, Carney loan, Santos stay. All right. Well, that only means that there's more people coming in. So I'll be interested to see. Um, Hail Mary, do you see that allegedly Chelsea are looking to bring in a deal for Tony in January? <laughs> They're already looking at that. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't actually yeah. surprise I haven't heard that. That wouldn't surprise me. If they, uh... do, if they, if they, if they can't get the striker they feel they sort of want and need in this window... There's definitely an argument that setting up a deal for Tony in January would be a sensible move for them. Um, I I actually think this I actually think that would make a lot of sense, but I haven't heard of that happening. But it wouldn't surprise me. All right. Well, obviously, striker is something we got to figure out. So we'll see what we can do. But uh, Matt, unless you've got anything else, I think we can wrap. I think you've been through everything. You haven't left a stone unturned, to be honest, Brandon. So I mean, I didn't bring up. I didn't bring up women's season tickets going up. You know, we, we didn't touch on that yet because our friends at Blue Royalty are going to be touching on that tomorrow. What, the price is going up? Yeah, the women's season tickets have uh, shot up to help build a better um, game for the women's side. So unfortunately, the fans are in this tough predicament in the club. They're trying to work through it now. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to have a view on that because at the end of the day, Chelsea women are so good and Emma Hayes is so good that I would imagine that there is an argument that 
you know, a price rise is warranted. Um, but obviously, we're in a cost of living crisis. Football's expensive anyway, especially men's football is ridiculously expensive. Um, women's football is more of a family, even more of a family environment than men, and you would like it to remain very accessible because that's one of the the real sort of attractions of it. So that's that is a difficult subject to have a a view on. To be quite honest with you, it's a very difficult one to fall either side of the fence on that, and I. I can see it's probably difficult for the club to make decisions on that. I mean, t- ticket prices actually generally is a, is a good subject because, you know, Chelsea Chelsea froze um, their season ticket prices, but I think a lot of match day tickets in the Premier League have gone up a huge amount uh, across the board. I think over at Tottenham, they've gone up 10%. Um, I, I do think there's answers for there's questions for all the clubs of of whom in covid we heard a lot of clubs talk about the fans the fans we want the fans we love the fans we're sad the fans away well the fans have been back and now you're taking advantage of them again and this is this is a premier league thing this is not a chelsea thing um i'm widening a debate here and i also thought the other day when did we just become accepting of the fact that every team changes their shirt once every year it used to be it used to be every two years, and clubs used to get criticism for changing it every year. And slowly, after over the last few years, it's just now the accepted norm: change it every year and take everyone's money again. I do, I do think that Premier League clubs take the piss, given how much they tell us they love the fans and they miss the fans in Corona. I've got to say. Yeah. Okay. I I forgot. This just jogged my memory. Punt punt bid on De Gea. Why not? Terrible idea. (laughs) All right. The the voice of reason brings me back. Did you not see him with his feet last season? Oh, my word. He Look, that'll happen when you go to Manchester. All right. That's uh, didn't end well. You're not wrong. I just thought I'd play a game. The modern modern goalkeeper, he's found himself left behind slightly by the way the modern goalkeeper has to play, I think. And... He can still make amazing saves, although he made some horrendous errors. But no, I, I, ah, I wouldn't right. be going down that route. All right. I appreciate you. Keep me safe. Uh, anyways, go check it out, uh, Matt Law, in the description. Uh, appreciate you as always. Uh, enjoy this summer. Sad we won't see you in the U.S., but that's okay. You know, a little bit of, a little bit of time at home is not bad for you. I feel like you're always I'll be on, on, I'll be on holiday. I'm, it, it, it's clashed with my kids' school holidays, and I'd, I'd already committed myself to that. So I will, I will be keeping abreast of it. Hey, we'll, we'll we'll send you updates. Don't worry. I'm sure you will. I'm <laughs> sure right. that WhatsApp group will be lively. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Well, as always, Chelsea fans, more content coming at you this week. But until next time, you know what to do: keep the blue flag flying high.